This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. What I want to share with you from my heart, and I'm aware of the time, So what I'm going to share with you will be a bit condensed. But a message doesn't have to be long to be impactful, and I believe that God desires for us to be able to hear his heart this morning, and that's what I want to share with you. Before I ask you to turn with me in your Bibles, I want to just recap a little bit from last Sunday morning. We spoke about Hannah and how Hannah had received mocking and ridicule year after year. And when she went to the temple, she got up and went to pray. She was in deep anguish. She was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow to the Lord. And in that vow, she said, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And so Hannah made this commitment to the Lord. Within months, the Lord answered her prayer, and she was blessed with the child Samuel, who would end up being very monumental in the history of of the Israelites because he was the last judge and he would anoint the first king. And from there, Saul would become king. Shortly after Saul became king, he displeased the Lord. God already had a man lined up up named David that would come to the throne. And through David, we see that God made a promise to David that out of his lineage, the Messiah would come. And in fact, he did. I shared with you last week also from the book of Exodus 34, verse 20, where God told his people, he said, no one may appear before me without an offering. And in this society in which we live, I I fear that sometimes that that rubs against us Because we may feel that we come to get something from God as opposed to giving something to God. And our focus can at times be off a bit. So I think that sometimes we don't receive what we really could receive from the Lord because of our motives. The book of James talks about that. James says that you ask but you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You can spend your own time in your prayer closet. You can even come to a Sunday night prayer meeting where we gather together and seek the Lord, and you can miss it because your heart's not yet right on target. And I'm not sure about you, but I know about me, and I don't want to waste my time seeking God for something that my motive is off, and I could rather be doing something else. 
So I believe this is pivotal in our walk with the Lord that God desires from all of us an offering. Every single one of us. When we come before the Lord with an offering, God sees our heart and it brings joy to him. So you may say, well, what is God expecting of me? I really don't have a lot to give. I want to share with you a few things that I believe are very important for us to understand when we deal with this question of God desiring an offering from us and what exactly are we supposed to give him? We see in the book of Luke, chapter 21, and if you would turn with me there for a moment. Luke chapter 21. I'm a very firm believer in every person who commits to making this church their home church. If this is where God has called you, if, if, if you're not sure, then there's a time of searching, there's a time of looking until you get settled. But once you decide that this is the place where God has called you to be, uh, then I am very firmly committed uh, to encouraging every single member here at Christian Life Center to be involved in some area of service because God has called us to serve. He has called us to present an offering. In Luke chapter 21, it says, When Jesus was in the temple, verse 1, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Have you ever stood at a place where there's a lot of people and you just kind of people watch? It's very interesting to watch people. Well, Jesus was watching these rich people, and they would come by and they would give a lot of money. No doubt that those who were counting the offering were quite pleased that there were these rich people that were giving a lot of money. But then it says, then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. These small coins particularly were the lowest valued coin that they had. Very minimal in value, and she dropped two of them. Jesus is watching, and he says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. Now, what would make Jesus make a statement like that? When you have people who had deposited a lot of money in the collection plate, and yet this widow gave simply these two coins or also two mites. Jesus said, they, meaning the rich people who were giving a lot of money, have given a tiny part of their surplus. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. And one of the key words here is surplus. We're going to come back to that. They gave a tiny portion of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. God himself, in the form of Jesus Christ, was commenting on the offering that was given. 
This is very important for us to grasp this morning. If you find yourself patting yourself on the back because of the amount that you give to the church or otherwise, I want you to consider the words of Jesus who said that this widow gave more because she gave all that she had. Jim Elliott was a man who was called by God to be a missionary to the country of Ecuador. Little did he know that when he and his four friends would go to minister the gospel in this remote area of the jungle, that they would land their plane, and as they were scoping things out to be able to uh, share the gospel, uh, the people who were there that were not familiar uh, with foreigners coming in uh, ended up believing a, a lie of, of one of the people that had, uh, had shared a, a falsehood about these people there, and they ended up killing them, and Jim Elliott became a martyr uh, for the cause of Christ. And uh, one of the things that he said prior to his passing and one of the passions that he had, knowing that he did not know exactly what would happen when he went uh, to the jungles in Ecuador, he said these words, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. My friend, you and I can work hard to make a living, to be able to make ends meet, and to be able to live our lives. What is God looking for from us? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants everything. He wants everything. I'm not talking right now about the 10% that you set aside as an honor to the Lord giving it and recognizing that it's all His uh, by uh, the symbolism of that 10%. But God desires everything from you. See, the truth is, is that until we lay everything down before the Lord, whatever we hold back from God will not flourish. But whatever we give to the Lord will flourish, and it will be blessed. In Genesis chapter 22, God wanted to know whether Abraham was willing to be able to give up everything. And so he asked him to give up his only son. You may say, well, Pastor, that's not exactly everything. That was just his kid. L let me ask you a question. How much would you sell your child for? I think it's pretty safe to say that when God asked for Isaac, he was asking for everything. Do you get my point? So when he was walking up the mountain with his kid, he was walking up there with everything. And he said to his servants, stay here. We are going to go and worship, and we will be back. That we was a word of faith. 
because as of that moment, God hadn't told them anything different. He said, go sacrifice your son. And as he brings his son up, he puts him on the altar and he raises the knife. And at that moment, the Lord says, stop, because now I know that you're willing to give me everything. It was a test. God had already provided what was needed because I don't know how much longer prior but God had already set it up that a ram would be caught in a bush. It's just the right spot that Abraham could see him. An offering was required, but it wasn't Isaac on that day. That ram took the place, which is such a beautiful symbolism of Christ. But God was looking for everything. And my friend, I hope you can swallow this. But God's looking for all you've got. When you're willing to give it all up, only then can you have peace. Because truth be told, everything you have is because God's given it to you in the first place. When Hannah gave Samuel, she didn't even have him yet. She said, if you give me Samuel, I will give him back to you. She gave all she had, just like Abraham did. When God considers value, he looks at things so much differently than we do. You may be in this place and say, Pastor, well, I really don't have a lot to give to the Lord. It doesn't matter. God's not looking for a lot. What do you think he needs that you can actually give him? In other words, isn't God able to create anything out of nothing? Um, he did that in the first place. So, what does God really, really need that you and I are going to give him? And he's going to say, oh boy, I wouldn't have had that if you hadn't have given it to me. That's not why we give to God. It's all a test of surrender. That's what it is. It's just a test of surrender. Because if you look through Scripture, every time God asks for something tough, when the test was passed, God blessed in a way that far went, went far beyond what was requested. God asked for Isaac. Abraham said, I'll give you Isaac. And what did God do? He blessed him with children more then you could count the sands on the seashore. God requested, and when he passed the test, then God blessed. This is the principle that is so important for us to understand. If some of us feel log-jammed in our walk with God, I want you to seriously consider how you're going to answer this question. What offering are you giving God?
What offering are you giving to God? Some of us can easily approach it like those rich people did. Well, I've got this taken care of, and so I'm all set here. Yeah, I can give God a little bit of this surplus. I got a little extra time for God. When God looks at you, he values you more than the entire world. You are not considered second best to God. If God cares about you like that, don't you think that we should put him first? This applies to so many areas of our life, our finances, our calendar, the decisions that we make. I can tell you this from personal experience. When you put God first in an area, even if it costs you something, the price you pay will never be more than God will bless you back. Job had everything taken from him. And yet he did not curse God as his own wife was encouraging him to do. What did God do? God doubled everything he had before. And he was a rich man to begin with. Now that doesn't mean that that's a principle that automatically applies. You go through something, God doubles it. That's, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is when you've passed the test, God will bless you. He will. That's how he works. But you've got to pass the test, and the test can be painful. And when you're going through a test, it's a lot different than after you're done with the test. During the test, you can have sweaty palms. You can wonder if your mind's going to go blank and not be able to get all the information. All the things that go with a test, with this test, there was a lot on the line. Oftentimes, the value of our offering depends on how much it costs us. And I want to share this little scenario with you that we find in 2 Samuel chapter 24. God was very upset with Israel. 70,000 people had died. And people were, there was a death angel. And this time, the people of Israel weren't being spared like they were when they were coming out of Egypt. And so the death angel... Uh, was and who knows may may have been the same angel that was in Egypt but this was the death angel and he was going from house to house killing people 70,000 of them died God was watching from heaven the death angel gets to the house of Arana the Jebusite and right before he gets to his house God says to the death angel stop enough And David sees the angel, and he cries out to God, God, have mercy. So we pick up here in verse 18. It says, that day Gad came to David, that's the prophet, and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. That's where the death angel had stopped. 
So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. And when Arana saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king and his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king, Arana asked. David said, I've come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Arana said to David. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord, your God, accept your sacrifice. What a generous man. Who but knows, maybe he knew the death angel stopped right at his door. It was a matter of moments before his own family would have experienced the effect. He says to David, you have it all. These things that he's giving up are very valuable in that day and age when they survived in farming. You can use the yoke to start the fire. You can use my place. Take it. It's yours. David could have said, why, thank you. Appreciate that a lot. You're a very generous man. I think I'll do that. But that's not what David said. The king said to Arana, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. I will not present an offering to the Lord that cost me nothing. The value of what you offer to the Lord is not based on money. The value of what you present to the Lord is based upon the position of your heart. And when you are willing to surrender everything to the Lord, only then can God trust you Knowing that whatever he gives you, even if it's much or little, you will honor him. When we give to the Lord, we give out of our love for him. One last thing that I want to share with you, and that's in Mark chapter 14. Jesus, this is in verse 3, Mark chapter 14, verse 3. Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume 
over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume? It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Now get the scene here. Here's a woman who owns this perfume of her own volition. She pours this over his head. And these people sitting at the table observe what's going on. We find out later that Judas Iscariot was in on this conversation and he could care less about the poor. He didn't want that money going to the poor. He wanted some of it for himself because he was the treasurer and he could take some of that money for himself. So these words are painful to read. So they scolded her harshly. Here is a woman who is pouring out her heart to Jesus, literally giving him something that is very, very valuable. And instead of applauding her willingness to give an offering, these sitting around the table began to speak harshly. How dare you do something like that for God? Why would you waste your money on something like that? Why would you waste your time? You could have been doing more important things. You could have sold that and given it to the poor. And here all you're doing is dumping it on Jesus' head. And they scolded her harshly. Jesus is overhearing this conversation. He says, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You'll always have the poor among you. and You can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. The good news Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. You guys are sitting around this table, and you are criticizing this woman for doing something that acknowledged that my life was going to be given in her place and your place. And while you criticize, this very deed will be spoken of wherever the gospel is preached. Jesus saw to it that in the year 2017, on this day, that you would hear that story. Because that woman was willing to offer Something that was very valuable to her.
whatever God's going to do through this church is going to be done through the power of the Spirit of God. It's not by how smart I am or you are. It's not by how much we are able to um, assess our marketing abilities to be able to get the word about this church out. That's not what's going to make this church effective for the kingdom of God. What will make this church effective for the Lord is when the spirit of the living God flows from this altar out those doors and like rivers of living water the sick are healed the lost are found and those who have no hope receive hope again because not God is not interested in simply an institution of religiosity God's interested in what he did for us on the cross being made available to everyone he said freely you've received freely give what are you willing to offer the Lord and as I said last Sunday I'm not just talking about money when Jim Elliott decided that he would go to Ecuador it wasn't about money it was about his life he laid it down. The Holy Spirit is the one that ministers that request to your heart. It was how Abraham heard that God wanted his son Isaac. It was the Spirit of God working in Hannah's heart that said, God, I'll give Samuel to you if you give him to me. You don't need to make up the offering. All you need to do is present it. The step, the first step is, God, what would you like from me? That's the first step. I'm not here to tell you what to offer because you're not offering it to me. But you're offering it to him. And when he receives it from you, if you give it with a heart of joy, it will be well-pleasing to the 